Welcome to Holy Week, a Holy Week like no other we have experienced in our lifetime. We find ourselves at this moment not unlike the pre-Easter disciples who huddled together in fear uh, in the upper room, afraid to go out, stressed out, depressed by the events that had transpired among them. But Holy Week is a journey from darkness to light and from despair to hope. It's a season to focus on the ultimate good news. Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again to give us new life now and life forever with Him. Because of Him, we can rest secure in the knowledge that absolutely nothing can separate us from His great love, not even death itself. In Him, we have the power to get through anything, even a scary global pandemic. As Paul says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is a time to exercise our faith and know that He will see us through. Today is Palm Sunday. As always, the focus is on the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem at the time of the Passover feast. Listen to God's word as I read from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Jesus was at the absolute height of his popularity. News of the raising of Lazarus from the dead spread like wildfire. Everyone wanted to see him, to hear him, to touch him. Perhaps he would perform an even more spectacular feat. What would he do for his next act? Everybody wanted to know. <clears throat> so when word came that he was about to enter the city of Jerusalem, the people were overjoyed and their hopes were aroused. People began to wonder, could this be the promised Messiah? Was this Jesus, God's anointed one, who would restore the good fortunes of the nation of Israel? Surely anyone who could raise a man who was dead for four days in the tomb was capable of, of uh, breaking the yoke of Roman oppression. Surely this man would raise an army and chase the Romans out of town. So the people poured out of the eastern gate of the city to welcome him waving palm branches and proclaiming him king. Hosanna, they shouted. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Hosanna is a Hebrew expression that means something like, save us, save us, we pray, save us now. Expectations were sky high, and Jesus came into the city as a king. And he, in fact, was the king. The crowd had that right. He was, in fact, the Messiah King proclaimed by the people and prophesied in Scripture. 
He was the very fulfillment of the words found in Zechariah written 500 years earlier. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you! Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus came as a king, all right, and he accepted the title. But he was a king like no other. His coming to town on a donkey should have given the crowd a clue. Normally, when a king came into town, uh, he would ride a, a magnificent warhorse, symbolizing his power and perhaps announcing his intention to subdue his enemies. But Jesus came into town on a humble donkey, announcing his intention to bring peace and reconciliation, not the kind of king the people were looking for. Contrary to all expectation, Jesus didn't come as a warrior king, but as the servant king. He turned the whole notion of kingship on its head. In fact, a servant king would, would seem to be an oxymoron, would it not? Where do we find a king who serves? Everyone knows that a king is to be served. A king is to be waited on. A king is one to whom a person defers. A king is expected to be obeyed. A king tells other people what to do. A king is one who wields power and lords it over others. But a king who serves? How crazy is that? As I say, Jesus turns the idea of kingship clear around, and no one on that day understood who he really was or what he was about to do. Which is why John says at the end of his account of the triumphal entry that his disciples just didn't get it. And they wouldn't until later, that is, only after the resurrection. Jesus' behavior is strange, to, to say the least. I mean, think about it. Jesus comes into Jerusalem at the height of his popularity. He's welcomed as king, looks to all the world like he's going to take over the place, brings in and, uh, and is about to bring in his kingdom. The people are elated and the disciples already have visions of grandeur and are hankering for the chief seats of the kingdom. One wants to be the Secretary of State and the other wants to be Chief Justice. But then what does Jesus do? If we read a little bit further into uh, the 12th chapter of John, Jesus starts talking about how he's going to die. What do you mean you're going to die, Jesus? I mean, you're on top of the world. You have the people eating out of your hand. What are you, why are you talking this way? This is your moment for glory. And then Jesus is in the upper room to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. The story is told in John chapter 13. And, and what does Jesus do? Jesus, the king, lays aside his garments, gets down on his hands and knees, and begins to wash the feet of the disciples, because no servant was handy to do so when they all arrive for dinner. The king himself becomes a servant must have been absolutely shocking to the disciples. Um, Jesus does only what a lowly servant is charged to do, wash feet. Peter can't believe it. He just can't handle it. Lord, you're going to wash my feet? No way. Well, Jesus knew that it was too big a paradigm shift for his disciples. Again, it was only later that they would come to understand more fully the shocking, incredible reality that Jesus, who being in, very, in the very nature of God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The king of glory was treated cruelly at the hands of his creation. He was mocked, whipped, and nailed to a cross. He died a shameful death. He died a criminal and was buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus, the servant king, served others by enduring the worst kind of suffering and paying the ultimate price. He willingly laid down his life for you and me. What sort of king would do that? The late Charles Colson of Watergate fame, for those who remember, say it like this, all the kings and queens I have known in history sent their people out to die for them. I only know one king who decided to die for his people. And why did he decide to die? Because of his love for you and me, and because of his desire that the relationship between God and humanity be restored. He died by serving us, meeting our greatest need, breaking the power of sin and death that holds such sway over our lives. He died to provide for our forgiveness and to give us new life, eternal life. Needless to say, so far as the original Palm Sunday crowd was concerned, Jesus didn't perform according to their expectations, and they quickly gave up on him. Disappointed and disillusioned, some of the very people who hailed him as king on Palm Sunday were demanding his crucifixion a few days later. Many people continue to give up on Jesus because he doesn't square with their expectations. If Jesus doesn't fulfill their personal agendas, then away with him. So many fail to realize that though Jesus is the servant king, he's not like a genie who grants our every wish or a butler who stands forever at our beck and call, nor is he like Santa Claus who gives us whatever we desire. He serves us not by giving us what we want, but what we need. And what we need more than anything is forgiveness, peace, reconciliation with God, with those around us, and his death made those things possible. His death on a cross, which is why we call Good Friday good. What we need is his presence in our lives, his loving rule over our hearts. And how important is this in a time like what we are going through right now? Amidst all the fear, all the pain, all the grief, all the disruptions of our life, our Lord reigns. Ultimately, he is in control and will bring about his good purposes for this world and for us. Jesus was a king like no other, a king who came not to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Dear friends, if King Jesus has so served us, loving us to the end, giving his very life for us, ought we not to love him in return and make him our king. Shouldn't you and I bend our knee and bow before him, offering him our deepest gratitude and praise? And perhaps one of the best ways to thank our servant king and to show our love for him is to serve and love those for whom he died. Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room, now that I've washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. To wash the feet of another is to render simple, humble service to another without thought of applause or reward. It's to place the needs of others above our own. In its most basic form, it's to extend a simple, everyday courtesy and kindness to everyone we meet, treating other people with, with profound respect as if they were royalty. Never underestimate those little courtesies. Sometimes just giving others a smile can make someone's day. Mother Teresa, uh, now St. Teresa, a little book entitled The Love of Christ, is quoted as giving this good word to those who would serve. Never let anyone come to you without coming away better and happier. Everyone should see goodness in your face, in your eyes, and in your smile. The servant king has made us servants of one another. How strange all this is. Here is a king who humbles himself, empties himself of all self-importance, and serves people and instructs us to do the same. Who would have thought it? God the Father, that's who. Let us pray. Ride King Jesus into our hearts this day and remain there forever. Fill us with compassion that we may humbly serve others as you have served us. When we are weak, make us strong. When hurt and resentful, make us forgiving. When defeated and discouraged, make us hopeful. Keep us from asking for mercy without giving it ourselves, from praying for your kingdom but never working for it. In this holy week, deepen our faith by your matchless grace. Deepen the measure of our gratitude and Christian devotion. Guard and guide us through these difficult days. To you be all glory, laud, and honor. Amen. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forever. Amen.